election 2021. Who will be the next Prime Minister of the Bahamas? Will Dr. Hubert Minnis and the Free National Movement, or FNM, hold on to the government? Will Mr. Philip Brave Davis and the Progressive Liberal Party, or the PLP, snatch to win? Or will there be a surprise? Hi there, I'm Pamela Ferguson, Vice President of Investments at CFAL, and joining me in studio today are my colleagues, Lachelle White, Investments Manager, and Angelo Butler, Senior Analyst. In this two-part series titled Bahamas Election 2021, we will discuss the state of the Bahamian economy in the wake of Hurricane Dorian and COVID-19, the recession, the national debt, the state of healthcare and education infrastructure, and unemployment, and all issues that we believe should decide this election. This is part two of the series, and we will continue on with the question from part one, which is a fiscal consolidation strategy should include tax rises that are fair, spending cuts that are equitable, and economic growth, which is essential for recovery. So, Angelo and Michelle, let's take up the economic growth. What type of economic growth strategy um, was outlined in the platform of the major political parties that um, can help with our recovery? And if there isn't, let's discuss what we think they should be. Well, I think the um, one of the most, I guess, prominent policies amongst the manifestos, of course, was the suggestion by the PLP to reduce VAT. Um, so, you know, in economic theory, um, decreasing taxes should increase spending and um, boost economic activity. There's also, you know, a plan to increase the minimum wage, which would, you know, provide more discretionary um, income, particularly for those at the low end of the wage scale. And I think we saw where um, both parties, um, you know, have committed to some sort of review. I, I think the FNM said they will review it and the PLP said they would um, go directly to $250. I also, you know, both parties speak significantly to small business funding. Um, I think each of them said they're going to do about $50 million per year. So you're kind of seeing um, similar, um, you know, policies that, that are expected to grow. Um, the economy also saw where, you know, there's mention of solar energy and renewables, um, reducing how much money we spend in terms of importing fuel, which will just naturally grow the economy if that's reduced. Now, interestingly, I looked as well to the DNA's plan on their website, and I saw where they mentioned um, cutting the prime rate or encouraging the central bank to cut the prime rate, which I have not seen um, in any of the other proposals. So I thought that was interesting. Um, I, you know, I think a lot of persons expected that the prime rate would be cut um, to respond to the pandemic and, you know, make credit a bit cheaper. Um, but those are just some of the, you know, key points that I saw um, that the parties have suggested. Just to your point about reducing VAT and it resulting in economic growth. Um, Germany did that at the beginning of the recession, I think for like from June of last year for like six months, they reduce their VAT to a certain amount and it did increase spending in terms of economic activity, but it cost them and it cost them more <laughs> than what they saved in terms of the spending. So the idea of reducing the VAT was not necessary to spur economic growth, but what was to bring relief. So I think we have to be clear that, you know, reducing VAT is not the panacea for uh, explosion and economic growth. It is to bring relief to your people during this very difficult time. 
I I agree with that. I think that we just have to be um, deliberate about any plans to grow the economy. I mean, I've seen um, mentions across um, various manifestos and, and plans about um, improving agriculture, improving um, the fisheries industries, and maybe more on the digital economy. But for me, we still have, and I guess we'll speak more about this later, we still have to make sure that um, education is in place if we want to employ our citizens in these various industries and make them successful in order for them to contribute to our economy. I know that we've had lackluster growth um, over the past decade or so, and we certainly do not have sufficient growth to get us out of this debt burden that we are currently in. So I think that um, they're just going to have to to come in and look and see where we can improve um, not only our education system to ensure that we have um, sufficient workers to explore all of these and expand in all of these new industries, but we also have to maybe look at making it easier for businesses to do business so that they can contribute more to the economy. And on that note of increasing the minimum wage, you have to understand that on the other side of the employees are employers and can the employers afford an increase in the minimum wage, um, uh, an increase in minimum wage. So I think that there has to be a comprehensive analysis um, when we do all these things. And it's nice to say them and to put them out there. And I am sort of, I'm interested to see how everything will pan out and I want what is, of course, I want what is best for our economy and our country. But I just think that we have to do, we have to take a measured approach to doing things and we have to make sure that, and this is something that we lack, that we don't do sufficient analysis and we don't present to the people sufficiently what our plans are going to be. So it's good to have a little general knowledge on, okay, this is what we're going to do. I noticed the Coalition of Independence also mentioned that they would explore um, natural resources and perhaps... Um, selling carbon credits to other businesses. I mean, but we all, we need a plan for how these things are going to work and how they're going to contribute to our economy. Yeah. Um, I Both parties um, in their platform talked about economic growth, but I didn't see where they link it to their wish list. I didn't see where they link how they're going to achieve the economic growth with a lot of the stuff. So for instance, the FNM believes that sustainable economic growth should be primarily driven by bohemian investments and creativity in tandem with strategic foreign direct investments. That doesn't say um, how it's going to be done. Um, and tax inducements, grants, incentives are necessary to spark economic growth. That's according to um, the FNM. And an efficient public sector is essential to achieving um, optimal economic growth. We all believe that, but they don't tell us how they're going to achieve that. And so when it doesn't happen, then we can't fault them because they never told us. The Progressive Little Party believes that economic diversification, digitization, and innovation will be key to returning the Bahamas to a path of experiential growth and progress. I'm not sure when we've been there um, because we have looked at the numbers and over the past 10, 15 or so years, we've been averaging now under 1%, and that's excluding um, what has happened with um, Dorian and this COVID-19 pandemic. And they're also going to focus on the ease of doing business. They're going to reform the, um, the ease of doing business in order to spur economic growth. So like I said, they all talk about it, but they don't tell you how to deliver it. And the FNM, they, they spoke about um, 
government investment in infrastructure. And I think that's the key. We need investment in physical and social infrastructure. That is energy reform. That is telecommunication. That is transport. That's air and, and, and ground transport. That is education and that's healthcare. We need tangible investments in these areas in order for us to build upon that in order to achieve the growth that um, we need. And we don't hear them talking specifically about that. These parties have been in power for a long time. So they know how things work. And so I think we should be able to get information from them on how they will achieve the things that they are seeking out to achieve. But we don't hear that in terms of economic growth and development for our economy. Well, you have to hedge and, you know, make sure you can say, well, we didn't mean that specifically. Um, so, so like you said, you generally see these grand, um, very high level ideas, but the, the intricate details of them, you know, are, are either not said or crafted in a way that, you know, you can't really hold them um, to them. Yeah, I think I certainly think that we do have the capacity to grow our economy. We just um, need um, plans that are properly articulated and are properly followed so that we can achieve that goal. And um, this goes back to having a long term plan. Sure, you want to go short term, medium term, long term. How are you? What is your plan for this economy? Where do you see the Bahamas in 20 years and 25 years and 50 years? So I think that um, we need to focus on that. And like I said, it's not it's probably won't be any one administration or any one government, but government should be continuous. And it goes to what you were saying um, in the last episode, Pam, that we need to build upon what previous administrations did rather than just throwing everything out and starting all over again. We'll never um, get to where we need to be if we continue to do that. Yeah. And I I think, you know, I don't want to, I don't want our leaders to get lost in this plan. So they figure bohemians are clamoring for a plan and they put some stuff on a paper and then they say, this is our plan. It has to be actionable. Like during the next administration, we should tangibly see some stuff that are being done that will move us forward. We should be able to look back and say, wow, that has happened. And that as a result of that happening, this is where we are today. So not just appeasing us by writing some stuff down but actionable and we see that these plans are in work and will yield the results that they say um, um, they, they can, can, can yield. So over the past several years, there is a sense that Bahamians feel burdened with both the PLP and the FNM for taking more and more monies out of their payslip via the implementation of the 7.5% VAT in the case of the Progressive Liberal Party and the increase of VAT to 12% in the case of the FNM. Government officials and some economists, however, argue that Bahamians still have capacity for increased taxes given the comparison of the Bahamas' tax to revenue relative to GDP with other countries in the region. Let's elaborate on that some more. Um, I have to ask whether um, they're just taking that one metric and comparing it across countries because for the Bahamas, we have a very high cost of living. And to come and tell the people that, oh, you, you can pay more taxes. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah, so I, I think that um, we can't just look at it in a bubble. We have to look at our country because we are, we are unique um, in our own selves. So we have to look. We can't just say, okay, well, well, compared to this other country in the region, we don't pay as much taxes. But it could be that they have a lower cost of living. And I think that it goes back to us having 
equitable taxes, it ha having transparency in taxes and having proper tax collection procedures. So before you can come to me and say, I want you to pay more taxes, I need you to say, well, what are you going to use this tax for? For example, we pay um, when we go to road traffic to license our car. We pay taxes, but the roads, are those taxes, do they just go into the consolidated fund, which is a black hole for many, or do they go on improving the road system? We don't know because we're never told about it. So I, I just think that there has to be more transparency, more accountability, and you can't just tell me, I think you can pay more, so you should pay more. But, but I think, but me as a citizen, I think you can do more with my tax money, so you should do more. I think that we have to we have to um, connect connect the dots properly. And I, I think that notion comes from you know it's said that oh the average country should have um, revenue revenues that are about you know twenty two to twenty five percent of the size of the economy. And when I look back since twenty twelve, our revenues as a percentage of GDP on average were about sixteen point four percent. So I, I think that metric is where you're seeing they're saying, you know, it should be about 22%. And the expenditure over the last 10 years has been about 18.5% um, of GDP. But if you were to look at GDP, for example, if you look at 2012-2013, the GDP was about $8.14 And then in 2013, it jumped to about $10.8 right? So, you know, that essentially said somehow between those two years, the economy grew um, by 25%. And, you know, at the lower number, expenditure was about 20% of GDP. But once they revised, I think, GDP upwards, it went down to 15.1%. So just off that, you know, which is just a change on a piece of paper, technically, in my opinion, you're now saying, oh, we're not connect collecting enough taxes, we're not spending enough. So anytime you see these big upward revisions in, in the GDP number, um, whether they're accurate or not, um, you know, it, it goes back to that notion of oh, we're not spending enough, we're not collecting enough. But, you know, it, it can be a flawed argument. Yeah, and I think that's the problem. We're looking at, we're analyzing these numbers, like you say, on a piece of paper. But are we really going out into the communities and see how people, how, uh, how are people's standard of living affected um, by these increases in taxes? So something has to give somewhere, I mean... We often say that the Bahamas has, uh, I think the GDP per capita is very high, but that's because we have a lot of, um, we have a lot of um, foreigners um, that have um, high salaries and that is accounted for. Not um, even the, high salaries this year, but that come here for their financial planning. When you see these big homes and these big um, resorts that are built, that is factored into our GDP. Yeah, but then when you go um, in the over the hill communities, these people are, um, the citizens that live there are perhaps making um, barely the minimum wage and we are expecting them to pay the same taxes um, that other people with higher incomes pay. So I, I just, yeah, I just think that we need to take a, a holistic view on what we're doing before we make any more plans to increase taxes and put more burden on the citizenry. Mm -hmm. Revenue statistics in Latin America and the Caribbean 2021 shows that the average tax to GDP for the region is 22.9%. And that's based on 2019 uh, numbers. That's based on their income, 22.9% of income or just... No, or just taxes to GDP, GDP, revenue okay. taxes to GDP. And that's the average. So us being at 16, 17%, 
I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't think we should race to compete with them because our economy, like you mentioned, Michelle, is totally different. Bermuda has a, a tax, revenue tax to GDP of around about 16 or so percent. They say they want to keep it there because they want to, to keep that burden that's on their, pe on their people to, at a minimum. So just using this one metric and determining that we can take on more, I think it's, it's flawed. And then when you look at our economy, we talk about how much we affected by tourism, and we look at it, you have um, the cruise ships. We know that they don't spend a lot when they come here. We have the hotels, and we know most people in the hotels are getting paid minimum wage. So if you have um, a large labor force where directly or indirectly um, to tourism, where your people are getting either minimum wage or slightly above minimum wage, then using this metrics in order to assess whether they can take on more, I think um, is, is definitely flawed. And that's why Bahamians feel so burdened down by the taxes. And you are not doing enough to get more from the wealthy, the multi-million and billionaires who come to our country and enjoy our country. You're not doing enough to get more from them, but you continue to give these concessions that uh, can be used to help build our country for them to continue to enjoy. And like you said, a lot of the, the high GDP number you see, like you said, is those second homeowners. And, and so, you know, we need to go in a way that's competitive with other countries and so forth, but we need to get more tax from them because they're driving up our GDP, causing us to not be eligible for, you know, concessionary financing and things of that nature. So we can't just focus on the 400000 to pay this inflated GDP in a sense that's driven by foreigners, the one point something million stopover that comes and the five million um, cruise ship tourists. And I agree, we need reform. Because when people pay taxes, we complain about it. And so I imagine they're sitting down and saying, y'all are coming after me and y'all putting it in that black <laughs> hole. We need reform. We need transparency. We need the freedom of information. We need the ombudsman. We need all of these things that to some may seem political, but it's not. This is what helps us to operate. Transparency helps us to operate above the board. And so we ensure that our government is spending the people's money wisely. And until we uh, can do those things, we will continue I think on this part with these contracts that we given that are given on the side where we are just wasting money and we're not getting value for money from these side contracts that we are, we are giving we're just spending money and it's putting us deeper and deeper into the black hole not that just we're only in. the side contracts even when we give contracts to international organizations and to consultants it's like what what why do we need this so I, I just yeah like you say it's, it all goes down to transparency I didn't notice anything specific about the the Freedom of Information Act um, from the two major parties, but that is something that we desperately need. The act was already passed um, and it needs to be um, put into action. Yeah, to hold our politicians accountable. So what plans were articulated for building back better the country's healthcare system? Well, um, I think this is another point where we'll see um, some similarities. I, I saw where both parties said, um, you know, they're either going to build a new hospital or build a new part of the hospital, both in um, New Providence and, and Grand Bahama. Um, you know, both parties reference NHI. Um, I saw where the PLP mentioned, specifically mentioned something on um, catastrophic care. I don't see, for example, how, you know, you plan to pay for it in, in either party. Um, realistically, if, if this is going to become what I think we envision as national health insurance, there's going to have to be some sort of 
talks specifically to this. You know, we see in the budget every year, the government is just allocating more and more money to this. But, you know, if you don't raise taxes and, and the cost of this continues to go up, um, then how else do you, you know, fund it? I did see where the PLP spoke to, you know, making um, like Exuma some sort of mini hub or, you know, a healthcare hub, putting something as well in Eleuthera, expanding clinics into some of the small islands, which I think is good because, you know, the cost of airlifting persons um, for, for things that may be able to be addressed on those islands is good. I also think it would um, positively impact um, tourism. I think we saw where, you know, in Cat Island, the hotel pretty much shut down for about two years, um, you know, citing concerns about healthcare. You know, if tourists get sick on an island that doesn't have any facilities, what's done? So I think all of that um, is important. Um, you know, we but like I said, you'll see similarities, purchasing PPEs, getting vaccines, therapies, um, new equipment, renovating units. So those are standard things I think we'll, you know, see across the political divide. Um, you know, of course, the coalition said they will give everyone um, free health care. Um, so yeah, know, that's, I, that's another plan out there. Yeah, I think that there were, there were uh, a lot of similarities in terms of... Um, purchasing equipment and other things and maybe building hospitals so putting in some infrastructure there but I think that we really have to um, get serious about it I I think it was a, a couple of years ago maybe I heard something very interesting that you know that your healthcare system is not strong enough when a woman cannot even give birth like she has to come to um, the capital to give birth in a hospital because there is not sufficient um, sufficient medical care on the island. And there are lots of islands or settlements where there is not a doctor present or not a doctor close by. So um, we have the disadvantage and the advantage, I think, of being an archipelago. So it is going to be um, difficult for us to get um, the health care that everybody needs. So I think it's a good idea to place strategic um, hubs throughout the archipelago so that people don't have to um, fly um, um I mean, everything is pretty close, but you know, if you have something, um, if say, if you have it in Exumo, then persons from the Southern Islands can go there, you have it in Anagua. So I think that we just have to be strategic about our healthcare system, given our unique uniqueness as an archipelago, and we have persons spread across, across many different islands. So, I mean, I would like to see... Um, just, um, I know that I heard mentioned, I read um, about um, expanding telemedicine and other things. So I think that once, if we can get, the pandemic has proven that our healthcare system has um, failed in many ways. And this is um, not um, against saying the workers in the healthcare system, but it's just the system in general. And I think that we've seen this all around the world, even in um, developed countries, we've seen where the healthcare system has basically collapsed um, underneath the burden of this pandemic. So I think that we are going to have to, the way for, for the way forward, we are going to have to strategically um, improve our healthcare system. And it has to go, um, you have to improve the infrastructure, you have to improve, um, perhaps improve training for nurses. I think maybe you give um, more um, benefits um, to doctors and nurses, more training. And so I just think that we have to, healthcare is one of the pillars of any successful society. So I think that this is something that should be at the forefront of any administration that comes in. So I think the question to ask is like, how can we provide um, adequate 
healthcare services when we are tight on monies, when we are strapped for monies. And I think what we have to do is to put things in priority. And I go back and I hit on this, cut out the waste. I think we need to stop it with the, um, the, the cost for consulting administrators. The monies need to be spent on nurses, on doctors, on ensuring that we have the equipment and the proper training you, uh, to use the equipment that we need and not on these administrative and bureaucratic costs that we have in, in, in the various ministries and in particular healthcare that, that cause the money to waste. If we are talking about taking monies out of people's salaries for, for, for national health insurance, the system needs total overhaul and reform. Again, this is a crisis. How are we going to come out of this crisis? Are we going to come out of this crisis going, going on the same way that we were prior to the crisis? No, there has to be major drastic change. Things must be done differently and we must stop the waste uh, with the monies. And then I think we have to... Out of this pandemic, we, we noticed that a lot of people with comorbidities um, were affected. So I think there should be some program on, on helping people to know your status as it relates to diabetes or hypertension. You know, free testing um, to various clinics and pharmacies about I could walk in and check my sugar level or I could walk in and check my pressure level so I know where I am. So I think there needs to be some stuff like that, preparing uh, on behemoths for national health insurance and a sense us to, to the importance of, of living a healthy lifestyle. Yeah, I think uh, living a healthy lifestyle is, is, is key um, to um, encourage people to do so. Even amidst this pandemic, um, exercise and a healthy diet can help you um, fight COVID-19 or avoid getting it at all. So I, I just think that it's simple things. Um, there, are, there are low-hanging fruit in the healthcare system that we can do. Um, of course, there are a lot of serious issues that we need to attend to, but I think that we need to, to start to start somewhere. I think that NHI is and it's it's a good idea, but like you say, we need to know where is my money going. If I pay NHI, when I go to the hospital, am I going to be going to a facility that can properly attend to my needs? Um, we certainly don't want to become a country like our neighbors to the north, where healthcare is so expensive that people are afraid to go to the emergency room. So, but we, I think that you should have affordable healthcare for all, and those who can't afford it should somehow be captured by the system. But again, we need to get what we're paying for and we need to see if I'm giving you these taxes that I'm going to get the service that I deserve. So is manufacturing a viable sector in the Bahamas? And did any of the, the political parties outline a strategy um, for advancing manufacturing in the country? Um, I didn't. I don't recall seeing, I may have missed it, but I didn't recall seeing anything specific um, about manufacturing. I know that we do manufacturing on a small scale here now. I did see um, some mention of um, improvements in agriculture, improvements in fisheries, but I do think that we do... And I do think that we do have to look at it, even if we are not able to do it on a large scale, even if we are just able to do it for ourselves and in our country, because the pandemic has proven that, I mean, all over the world, um, supply chains have been disrupted. And that may affect us, even if we had a manufacturing sector, that it may have affected us too. But I think that we need to find some way to be self-sufficient, and at least with the basic things where we see things that we are constantly um, important, importing, if we could get there. Um, they did. I did see a mention of agriculture and sort of strengthening the agriculture industry. Um, I do think that we need to learn how to feed ourselves. 
and not necessarily, I do think that we do, um, some of the hotels um, do get local fruits and vegetables. I don't necessarily think that we would be able to feed 5 million tourists a year, but we certainly can feed 400,000 people um, if we put our minds to it. Yeah, I think you'll have, um, I think that there'll be a big concern on, on the weight side of it. Um, so it, it depends what aspect of manufacturing you, you look to go into. Um, you know, if it's something that Mexico El Salvador, South America is competing in. It's it's going to be you know very difficult for us from a wage perspective. Although our minimum wage is low for us, um, so I think those areas will be challenged if we get into some of the higher end um, manufacturing, whether it be cars or like you said, some of the technology um, based manufacturing where it's not really low wage, you know, unskilled labor then you know, that'll benefit. But we'll have to expand our education um, for that as well. But in the plans, I just saw, you know, the typical or we provide some incentives, concessions towards that sector to enhance it. Um, I will say that the I think the coalition, primarily its leader has, has driven a, you know, a very intense debate on natural resources and how we use those. So I think if we look to use maybe incorporate some of that into some sort of manufacturing that will work because we don't have to worry about the cost of shipping or importing um, those products, which can, you know, kind of offset some of the wage um, pressures, cost of living that we may have um, maybe appropriate. So from there, I think, you know, maybe adding value to some of those products, like maybe the Morton salt, if we can, you know, manufacture some of that hair, whether we do something with sand or, you know, limestone, those types of manufacturing, I think we can focus on. Um, we are out of time. I mean, <laughs> half an hour went by so so fast. I wanted to ask you about um, affordable housing um, for Bahamians, but we don't have any time for that now. Um, thank you, Angelo. Thank you, Lachelle. It was really an enlightening um, discussion, and we appreciate you, audience, for listening in with us. Thank you, and until next time. <laughs> <laughs>